This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. I keep observation of the ancients. I'm not anxious. I'm so patient. Look at me. I'm levitating, floating on this ocean of emotion like I'm ice skating. Pictures be like Nikon, King Kong, Saigon. Might want to leave for your lights on. Might want to turn on your brights on. Because evil's deceitful when demons reside in cathedrals. Watch them shine on. Resident Evil residing in people. I thought was my people's. They pythons. Pythons, pythons. Not the type to rely on, but the type to keep eyes on. See through the high nylon, high let bygones just bygone. Thinking in silicon boobies and booties and Gucci and Louis from Taiwan. Man, people are fake, man, people are snakes. Ask me how I'm doing, I proceed to tell a man, man, I'm great, great. Look at me clearing my plate. Mmm, delicious. These haters, they dirty dishes, watch them pile up. I just keep my distance, pay them no attention. I just keep my cool, I'm so air conditioned, never give a mention. Who? They so freak ID, never get it, Watch nah. me You so make 3D, you so make believe, you so Maybelline, you ain't facing me. The world is my ocean, I'm floating, I'm coasting, my focus is out, so heavenly. Won't be ruled by emotion, you shame say my ocean, you peasants, so never unsettle me. Higher the levels be, higher the devils be. I'm watching real carefully all of my enemies, saying they care for me, you never care for me. Watch me, watch me, watch me. 
to the Piper Carter podcast. You are in the building with Piper Carter and I'm fresh off the plane as of this morning from New Mexico for a week and Brazil for like 10 days. What's up, Brittany? You've been gone too long, but I'm so excited. Yeah, it's it was really, really incredible. Um, so, you know what we should do? What's that? Let's jump into the Nipsey hustle right away. Yeah. You are <sighs> gone. And I didn't want to tell you why you were gone cuz you were away and I wanted you I wanted you to have good energy. So, but I knew you found I pretty much knew you would know why you were gone and that, Oh uh, man. I mean <sighs> I don't even know what to say, but let's do this. Let's give him like you know, just a couple seconds of silence for his life and his contribution. So thank you for that. Oh man, Nipsey Hustle. Man. He was like completely, you know, well, more or less self-made and independent. And yeah, he was doing his thing. I remember all the time, you know, just constantly like looking at his elevation Elevation of his visual imagery, elevation of his music videos, um, and then yeah, looking at his, you know his contributions to his community. Um, I did see the articles, um, but by me not being on social media mm-hmm. because we weren't able to post um, for our safety, um, I hadn't posted anything. So I will. Um, start posting some stuff now that I'm stateside. But um, yeah, I mean, I've seen everything from the conspiracy theories to, um, you know, people looking at uh, the prosecutor who, you know, is now defending him. The, was the OJ prosecutor is defending him? Chris. Yeah. Darton. Yeah. And the, um, to, to like, you know, the whole Kodak Black thing with Lauren London, he was trying to get some clout, I suppose, I don't, uh, off of Nipsey's death or the, you know, heightened, as it being a heightened, like, news story, um, and, you know, T.I. and the rest of the community checking him, um, to, yeah, like, looking at Lauren London and, you know, just the loss, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, all around her, their kids, his kids, you know, their kids, um, you know, dealing with that. Um, I can't even imagine like the paperwork, you know, hopefully his paperwork takes care of her and the kids and that doesn't become a thing. I believe so. I know. It's just so much to unpack, but I know you're summarizing, but yes, he, he had a life insurance policy. So that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good first step is that when you have a, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Brother Polite, but some of the things that he says, shout out to Brother Polite, make just too much common sense that is science, that if we as a community start to understand the importance of pulling life insurance policies, they'll eventually get tired of 
dishing out so much money. So the fact that Nipsey, when I say they would get tired of dishing out so much uh, money, meaning the system, then they start realizing that all these different brothers and groups of black people or people of color have life insurance policies, they'll start to rethink about the structure. I mean, mm. they, so it's good that he he definitely had a policy policy for himself. So. And then, you know, just looking at his legacy, what happens? Because he just had a project just come out. Um, he had, you know, things with the store. So, you know, who knows if this door has a future or what that's going to look like. Um, Then what else was there? And then, yeah, like the stories about why he was murdered. You know, there's theories around that. And you were saying like one of them, like a main one in particular. So share that one that you were saying. Yeah, I mean, the him i just think there's there's too many if it if there's a if it smells like a fish if it looks like a fish it probably is a fish and i and and i think time will tell you know what what truly has happened because right now it's just all over the place and i just know that before he uh passed um he was set to meet with the lapd which he had had prior prior issues with or engagements with and so he has sent them an email um i think the story goes several months ago coming from the actual LAPD commissioner himself where Nipsey verbalized and articulated how he wanted to be a part of their process when it came to them creating uh, action plans and legislations on how to deal with violence within particular parts of that community. And he outlined in the email what he wanted to accomplish in the meeting and wanted to know what they could bring to the table um, so that they can, as a community, do some things for themselves So to ensure that it paralleled with what the uh, the police force had in mind in the next, you know, the years to come. So that was supposed to happen, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, and he passed Sunday. So uh, I just feel like, you know, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but Again, I, I I'm not in that life. I don't know. I'm not from LA. I don't have friends that are from LA, but that live close to that area. Um, and I don't think it's anything wrong with you know speculating it, not, and you know not having an opinion. But it's okay to speculate when things don't sound right, especially if it's a person that's just that dynamic like Nipsey was, you know. And I just think it's I don't you know I think it's rather ironic, but not a coincidence that. You know, when you are in conversation with, um, you know, public service, people like to put it as the government, that they don't know more about you than they, you know, than you know about yourself. They're not going to sit and just take a meeting with you because you're Nipsey Hussle and because you're a rapper. Like, they've done their research. They know who you are. You know, especially to the degree that Nipsey... um, and, you know, engrossed himself inside of the community there. I mean, I don't know, you know, we talk about the poster child of community activism for someone in that, um, that, that proximity of being a celebrity and that balance, that true balance, you know what I mean, of what I think Killer Mike tries to preach about, you know, being in the community, being of the community, being maybe part of the gang life, but spending it per your narrative. You know, he was the he was the poster child of that. You know, the Dr. Sebi thing, I, you know, I don't want to 
create too much conspiracy around that because I think we're still even trying to understand the terms of Dr. Sebi's passing, you know, but it's just a lot that goes into it. You know, the documentary, a lot of people feel like, you know, it's public information. There's a lot of things that's public information. There's also public information on systematic um, things happening to other to other social social justice people. And I'm not even mentioning the people, you know, that aren't celebrities like the, you know, uh, Nelson Mandela's, the Martin Luther King's, the uh, Marcus Garvey's. You know, I'm talking about people that are amongst our local communities that have done work and have been targeted. So, yeah, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not trying to say that it's a, it's a target, but I think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from why he was murdered, especially from the it being, you know, the other thing that just doesn't make sense. A guy who apparently was a quote unquote snitch to the inside community. Um, but you know, to to further the definition of what a snitch is, you know, this guy had gone missing for two or three years, they said. They hadn't seen this guy for two or three years. And he was known within that time frame, uh, when they when he was around to be uh, being a police informant. Uh huh. So he comes up randomly on a random day that Nipsey is just randomly in the shop because he just got done bailing out one of his friends from jail. Excuse me, I, I misspoke. One of his friends just got released from jail, and Nipsey uh, invited him to come up to the store randomly. So he gets out, goes to the store to help his friend find some clothes because his friend just got released, and in comes this known inside community informant or quote-unquote snitch that comes walking in and some stories say that he pretended like he didn't know Nipsey and them and just was trying to sell him on sell them on the fact that he was an up-and-coming artist and wanted to share his his music and they told him like we know who you are like we know who you are you haven't been around here in years like now you coming back trying to introduce yourself as an artist like you need to leave like and the dude comes back and there are stories that say like the dude came Grab food from like it was like a strip mall, went and got food from somewhere else, left and had a, you know, had someone he was in a car with, uh, saw Nipsey, shot Nipsey four times, which a lot of people conspire to think that the way that he was killed was very technical. Like he was killed with the, he, the guy did the killing with purpose. He shot him four times, ran off, realized that there was no one like uh, retaliating comes back and then shoots him in the head, you know? And to be honest, I didn't look at the footage. That footage is out there. I just think that even from a distance, we have to have character uh, just because, you know, certain things are given to us to view doesn't mean that it's meant for us to view. I personally don't want to see that, you know, those who want to look at it because they are into figuring things out that go beyond what the media and the government tells us, that's perfectly fine. If you feel like you need to view that video, to come up with your own understanding behind this passing, I'm not judging you. But I say all that to say that, you know, what I'm saying is backed up by video if you choose to go and look at it. You know, so even down to the guy, this, you know, deciding he was done after shooting the four shots and then recognizing that no one was retaliating and that he had more time to actually come back for the final shot. And then to, to, to make the final shot a headshot and then to kick him in the head and then there'd be no one to retaliate. And then the guy drives off. And then the person that he drives off with is not held on any charges. 
is set free all the way to the guy being represented represented by Chris Darden, who is not working for L.A. anymore. He does not work for the public system. He has his own his own um, <clears throat> he has his own practice and he hasn't really practiced in a very long time. Like he literally I think and, you know, you guys can tell me more. I think the most of his money comes from public speaking and from uh, uh, engagements. That's how he makes most of his money. It's not even really truly through his own practice. So out of the gate, he's assigned this lawyer. So like I said, time will tell. No one, a lot of people want to understand who, how, how that connection was made between the person who allegedly did the killing, who's locked up for doing the killing, and Chris Darton. Um, a lot of people want to understand why other footage hasn't been released of the shooting of people who want to analyze it because there's only it's, it's one um, one angle. And then a lot of people want to understand uh, maybe what, you know, some of his inside people may have had to do with it when it comes to it being something that was, con you know, constructed by a higher, higher, a, a higher power. And, you know, it's sad. You know, because at the end of the day, a lot of people feel like I was telling you that at the end of the day, a black man pulled the trigger. So, like I said, there we can't, in 2019, continue to look at things so one-sided. There are a lot of lessons that can be learned. But in the next few moments, and I would say the next few, when I say moments, because you can't put a really a time capsule on it, you know, we have to respect, you have to respect the deceased. There are certain things that once a person is deceased... Um, you have to give them that respect. You have to give them that that energy that they need to transition. And you also have to give them, give people energy from a, a standpoint that the people who are doing the grieving, they get they get good energy. And I will tell you, I listen to Nipsey Hussle. Uh, Crenshaw is one of my favorite pieces of work. Um, I say Nipsey Hussle, Currency, Big Sean, uh, Wale, uh, J. Cole, uh, Dom Kennedy, who's also from L.A., um, who did a lot of work with Nipsey. Um, those guys were who kept hip hop rolling for a while. Um, and, and after the Lil Wayne phase, you know, after Lil Wayne kept hip hop alive, it went hip hop went through a little area where, you know, a lot of the independent guy, a lot of guys found success in being independent and not signing to those labels. And Nipsey was one of those guys. So. He did the college tours where back in Detroit where you could go see an artist at the Fillmore or St. Andrews for 35 bucks. And I went to that show and it was awesome, you know. So not the hugest Nipsey fan as from a music standpoint. I think Victory Lap was amazing. Um, I like this music, but I'll tell you, I never would have guessed, even about knowing about some of the community work he did before he passed, that he would receive the love that he's received. And so for people to give him that amount of love is the energy that I'm talking about that is going to be needed for the next for the next few months. Time always tells on conspiracies and the things that involve higher power, higher powers and systematic uh, systematic action plans. So time will tell. And, you know, I'd say, though, for the next few moments that, you know, his his family, including his his spouse, needs that good energy that I, to, to be honest, I wasn't expecting this amount of love to see all the different gangs in LA, you know, come together, I think is a, is a, is a, is a sign within itself. Um, all the genuineness of the, the rap community to protect, 
um, his legacy and to say that they're going to uh, continue his legacy. And just from having friends that I just have been talking to, the, again, that grew up in that time frame between 2008 and 2011, where Nipsey started to create his buzz, you know, to see them say that they're going to they're thinking about changing the way that they eat, changing the way that they think, because just going back and looking at his YouTube presence and looking at how his consistency and how he just started to open up to the public eye more so than he ever had done is inspiring them. So, you know, I don't know, Pipe. That was long winded, but. No, those are good thoughts. I uh, I mean, we don't have answers, right? No, we don't. So we just have thoughts at this point. Yeah. So I think that's good. It's good to good to be thinking. Yeah, it's deep. Is this is the this is the first one? This is the one of the first passings that I think is an intergenerational thing. That when you go back and even if you didn't know who he was, you look at his body of work and you instantly fall in love with him from a human being perspective because he's so himself and you know there's so many sound clips and interviews that you know he's teaching people you know the importance of knowledge of self and then how when you learn your truly learn yourself it removes ego and it balances hum- it doesn't remove ego excuse me it balances ego and humility in a sense that it makes you instantly want to do for the people around you you know what I mean? So it's to go back and be able to see those things on a consistent level is just something that I've never personally experienced before. You know, you know the Tupacs, you know the Biggies, you know, you know, you you expect the things that you hear from, you know, politicians and people who the Harry Belafonte's, the James Browns who wouldn't do certain things musically to to stand his ground for his people. You know, you hear about the celebrities that you would be like, okay, because of the time frame, it was right in your face. You will understand why they did certain things. But, you know, where I begin to question and start to try to analyze things for myself is the whole, should you leave the hood? You know, what does that even mean? What What is that? You know, and that's why I think it's so important to figure out maybe what happened to him. So as a community, we can figure out how to truly build upon securing ourselves more and to shift in our mentalities more to understand that at the end of the day, we're on the same team. And then thirdly, you know, what do you mean don't leave the hood? What, what does that even mean? What does that mean? I know what it means, but like, what does that mean? And is that something that we need to help black men and black women understand, like, what does that mean? Because we're such a dynamic group of people and have always been, even, even shoot, even be beyond slavery, you know, all the different parts, where, parts we've come from makes us dynamic. But to say, you know, not to leave the hood when that's really what you see happening, you know, in all aspects of, of city living you know, where you have groups of black people who get tired of their cars getting broken into. They get tired of the high uh, insurance. They get tired of uh, even those those who, who fight so hard and then they get burnt out and then they leave. So what does leaving the hood mean? And what is that whole, com- what is, how should that whole conversation even be looked at? Or how should it even be discussed? You know, I've heard D.L. Hughley, who I'm very fond of, telling people that that was, uh, there was some self-inflictment on that part because the number one rule for a successful black man is to to not own or not to do things that are in your neighborhood that will keep you there. You know, it's okay to visit. It's okay to do uh, certain things at certain seasons, but to to actually be that emerge is dangerous. 
So is it? And it it is, is what's the answer to not do it? You know, so I don't know. I think <clears throat> if we look, nothing is black and white. So there's really no absolutes. So, you know, from a television or film like perspective, people look at things like, you know, very black and white. But every podcast we have here, we talk about the many people who are working to make community better. And the number one thing that you're taught as an African-American or any um, assimilated, you know, ethnic group um, is that success is nowhere around here where you're growing up. And you've got to leave this place with all these people that look like you in order to become successful. And also, too, there's a level of self-hatred that's taught that's like, you know, internalized white supremacy, internalized oppression. It's a larger issue, you know, the issue of, um, you know, capitalism, capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy. This is, this is the, these are the systems or this is the system that we're in. So all these things that we do around social justice, environmental justice, just transition, um, racial equity, you know, talking about black liberation, uh, indigenous sovereignty, all these things are linked to us working to combat this system. That's one piece. And also build the world that we want to see. And so we have here in America um, and across the world still in 2019, Okay, the impact of slavery on community, not just um, the monetary, economic, you know, uh, impact of making one group be able to, um, you know, still in this day and age, own everything, control everything, um, the laws that had been created to keep that group in so-called power and to strip power from, from other groups. Um, what we see, you know, the rhetoric, the rise of the right, you know, the rise of the right wing um, that we're seeing, you know, globally. All of this stuff is linked to this, you know, white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. And so when we look at it in terms of systems, then we can look at these other pieces of legislation and policy like the war on drugs. Mm. Um, and just multiple wars in general, the militarism in our community, the militarized police forces. So, you know, we, we came through the black power, we came through the civil rights era in the 50s, we came through the black power struggle in the 60s, and things started to improve in the 70s, and then in the early 80s, we get Reaganomics. So with the Reaganomic era, we get the crack era, you know, the war on drug era, 
AIDS epidemic and the way we talk about this all the time, the ways in the ways in which crack as a tool was used to weaponize, you know, against our communities. I mean, from children and youth, um, not respecting their grandparents and older generations because the adults were coming to them to buy the drugs and then they were making the money and then, you know, the removal of the fathers from the homes, the um, destruction of the education system, the destruction of the food system, you know, all these things, you know, even even moving forward, you know, just in, in Detroit alone, but across um, our urban centers, you know, stripping people of their properties, you know, destabilization of whole communities. Um, and that, it, we're, this is stuff that's been happening for like, you know, generations and generations beyond slavery. Mm-hmm. So it never like ended, you know, it never ended. It was just continue, continue, continue. Yep. And so, you know, when we look at our communities and we could go on a micro level and look and say, oh, there's so much jealousy in our community. Um, there's so much so-called crime. You know, folks are looking at each other like food. There's lack of trust. Um, people are looking at one another like, like, like we're one another's enemies. The first thing that people see in the hood, you know, if you walk past another person is, you know, this antagonistic energy or, or a feeling of threat, you know, going to the gas station to buy gas or a, a pack of gum or a juice is putting your life in your own hands. You never know who's lurking around there, you know, thinking to do you some harm. Um, I, have I got a my Lyft driver that took me to the airport told me that her other job was working at Family Dollar and that she was traumatized because and she wanted to quit but she didn't know what to do because she needs the money because the Family Dollar keeps getting robbed and she says she kept complaining to the uh, management, I guess, and the upper bosses about that it kept getting robbed and they would ignore her. And she said one of her upper bosses was there one day that she wasn't and it, and they got robbed at gunpoint and they were, they robbed it at gunpoint before the manager was able to take the money from the safe to the bank so she was upset because she said the national company was coming down on that store because they were like more pissed off that the money was missing than that their manager had been held at gunpoint. I believe it. And so I'm just saying that to say that like these systems of capitalism white supremacy and patriarchy they're so deep you know to the point you know people are looking at one another like 
okay, if, if, you know, like they hate one another, you know, when we're working on social justice campaigns, the main people who believe that black people in the hood don't deserve access to affordable, healthy, clean water is other black people who have, who believe in their minds that they've pulled themselves up out of the hood and gotten their education, so to speak, at university and have their job and their position. And they look at other people as if, okay, those people aren't good enough or they weren't smart enough or they didn't do the right things. Because if we don't look at this as a system, this is a system that has people in a certain place. But we can't just look at it as a system, right? Because you have to think about personal safety and community safety. We had a whole podcast on here about community safety, being abolitionists, not calling police. And then, you know, when you live in the hood, it's, people are so used to the police solving every single issue, whether it's between a mother and son or families, like people just call the police because we don't have conflict resolution skills. We don't have communication skills. Um, you know, they, for decades, they've removed our ability for us to take care of ourselves. And so there is a level of sort of internalized hatred, you know, internalized, you know, fear of one another. And at the same exact time that we think or we look at all those things and we can see the systems, there are some real dangers out here in our communities. Agree. There are really people, you know, that are vulnerable in our communities. Young people are terrorizing elders. You know, young people, you know, Detroit is the um, sex slavery, you know, trafficking, child trafficking um, capital of the country. And so, you know, there are some real dangers that exist within our communities, what are we going to do about it? What do we... We have to do something. There are people doing things. Well... Right? We have urban urban farms. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're looking at food security, food sovereignty, food justice, right? And when I say we have to do something, meaning the... When I say that, shifting the narrative that we should, that, that once you become, get to this certain pillar, it's not your problem anymore. That if you continue to make it your problem, you will be the one in the end getting hurt. This is the thing. The narrative that we need to change is individualism. We've been sold this narrative of the lone, mm-hmm. successful person who pulled themselves up by their bootstrap and people don't even look at the, the, the understanding that that person did not pull themselves up by their bootstrap. They there didn't. was whole teams of people making decisions that that person was going to be the one to get pulled up. From the person that decided that they were going to hold the door for you, that which made you not a minute late to that interview that you got. Like everything matters. Do you see the point I'm making? Yeah. Like those, even those small, tiny details shows you that it wasn't just you. 
Well, I think, yeah. And also, too, we got Oprah, we got Dwayne Wade, we got, um, you know, I mean, just Serena Williams. Serena Williams, just go on and on and on. Of all the people that we have, right, where the narrative is that, and I don't want to take any of their talent or skill or hard work. I don't, that's, let's not diminish any of that. I'm acknowledging that all these folks work hard, put in, put in the work that need to be put in. And at the same exact time, I'm just saying and and not but, and at the same exact time, there are whole businesses, corporations that were behind the decisions to ensure that folks are successful, right? And so it's that type of thing where luck meets opportunity, meets skill, right? And so if we're just looking at this like, oh, if you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, then, you know, you shouldn't be helping people in your community. What, how can anything become better in in society, in this world, if we're not the ones making it better. And like I said, we've got urban farms out here. We've got cooperatives. We've got collectives. We've got African-centered schools. We've got African-centered schools. We've got home, people doing homeschooling, collectives. Martial art programs. I mean, we... we we got, you know, we got people helping people with homes and housing mm. and purchasing land. Yes. Um, creating, you know, various businesses, teaching, entrepreneurship, mentorship. Um, this podcast studio, shouts out to Kari Frazier. Thank you, Kari. We have, you know, media centers. We have folks that are creating all kinds of solutions. And so... It's very important that we continue uplifting these types of institutions that are being currently built as we speak. And this is all over the place. All over the place, people are looking at, okay, that big corporate thing, it doesn't include my liberation. It doesn't include you know, my health or my family's health or it doesn't, there's nothing there that supports my sustainability or my life. And so we've got to come together and create these solutions. Celebrities are outside of that. Celebrities are surrounded. They're like that that cherry on top of the ice cream you're saying? I'm saying that they are surrounded. They are created by corporations. And then they're surrounded by people who continue to keep their ego elevated to a point that they continue to believe that, that you know, in, 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 in whatever that narrative is about themselves. What, what, what everyone appreciates about Nipsey is he was moving outside of that paradigm. We don't know what the specifics are I'm saying the we as in people who are not affiliated with him or not a part of his 
you know immediate circle immediate circle so we don't know what's what right i mean who's to say that the gentleman that he bailed out didn't call old boy i mean now i'm not gonna put that on him Okay, and I, and again, I misspoke, but he his I think he may have been due to be released, but Nipsey was helping him get on his feet by getting him like some clothes and stuff he needed for like an interview or to just get clean. All right. So that dude may have nothing to do with nothing, right? Or he could. You just never know, right? Who's to say that anyone within his camp that just you know was jealous in general or had a vendetta or whatever, you know, didn't or you know, support orchestrating it. Okay. Who's to say, like, the, you know, we don't know, but I will say this. Um it what is important to look at though is what are the nature what's the nature of the folks that we're still deciding to be in community with. That I will say is an important lesson. Mm -hmm. Okay. That happened to my cousin Hassan. He was murdered. Um, he, he was loving and kind and made a decision to be in community with all types of folks and keep relationships with all types of folks. And so, yeah, like, being in loving community with all types of folks, you know, if we decide that some of the folks that we're going to continue to be in loving community with are not elevating, are not working towards this collective vision that, you know, we're building, we do need to look at those folks. That is a lesson. Who is not serving the collective vision? Who is not serving on this team? Who's disgruntled? Who's jealous? Who's always gossiping? Who's, you know, never puts in work and always looking to get benefit? Who is that in our circle? That person needs to be ousted because they don't share the collective vision. And that's where the demise is going to come from. Like you said, he hadn't had communication with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. So how did the dude know that he was going to be at, at the that store? store? That's someone from your inner circle. I mean, he they're saying like, okay, maybe the guy just went, it was all random. No. I just don't think it was. No, it wasn't random. It was it, That's not random. Somebody in Nipsey's circle you know, was in contact with that dude. And there's no way that randomly the dude was just going to be up there and and that was like that. That whole situation, I mean, if people want to believe that, then go on ahead and believe that. But you know, as well as I know, somebody that Nipsey was with tipped that dude off that this is where we're going to be at this time. And, you know, who knows if uh, Nipsey had an FBI tag on him and that's, and is somebody in his circle I think, is in I, I, I think they did. FBI and then, 
you know, and that's how they wanted it to go down. So it looked a certain way to make Nipsey look crazy. Um, we don't know. You understand what I'm saying? Like, and what, there, we have no I, way of knowing. I will tell you, everyone in our inside of the black community that has comments on either side that are opposing views, opposing sides, there, there's truth in all of it. There's, there's truth in everything, you know. But for those who there was a guy, I'm, I'm killing two birds with one stone with this these next couple of statements. Like, to Piper's point. Inside of your community, there are people who are doing things that Nipsey stood on and believed in and was educating his people on. There are people inside of your communities are doing that are doing those things. I would say that the thing that made Nipsey powerful, and uh, uh, I heard another guy agree with this, is is because of his his yearn for the to understand the power of self. Not the, the not the same thing of. I'm on an island and I'm pulling up my bootstraps and I'm doing this on my own. But understanding yourself to a degree so that you can pour it back into your people. And we all have the ability to do that. The information that he gained of knowledge of self is public information. It's information that we all have privy to. And then once you get the information, the tough part is applying it. And But what makes it easy to apply is when you submerge yourself with people who want to apply it with you to Piper's point. And so what I'm saying is, is that it's important for us to uplift all people, all people during this time frame that are doing this type of work based off of the love that Nipsey is getting. The people who are still with us, they should be receiving that love, not love in a sense of validation and likes or double taps or uh, the love emojis in a sense of if there's someone that you know that has a movement or that believes in something, find a way to believe in it with them. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to donate to uh, someone's nonprofit because uh, it's Christmas time. There are people who are doing things all year round that look like us that are, are, that are, that are, that are um, heavily involved in the community. They may not even stay in the community. Case in point, you got D-Town Farms and Detroit Black Community Food Security Network. We had Baba Malik on here and speaking about food security, food sovereignty, food justice. They are currently raising $2 million to have a food co-op. Detroit is a food desert. We do have a Whole Foods, but let's remember that Whole Foods is actually a corporation that's owned by Amazon. Mm. Amazon is in Whole Foods. Um, our two major prison employers, so, okay? Mm. They're invested in heavily in, in prisons and prison labor, gotcha. okay? Okay. Um, they're not owned by people... From the community. They're corporations. They have bottom lines. And especially now with Amazon, they're looking at profits, profit margins. They got Monsanto up in there. I mean, so my thing is, you're looking at D-Town Farms and Detroit Black Community Food Security Network. All the food is locally grown at D-Town Farm in Detroit. The Everyone that works there is from the community. They do training. They train people 
and agriculture and farming. People there, you know, uh, are trained in beekeeping. You have people that do beekeeping, have businesses. All all these different folks have different food businesses. The co-op that they are that they've created and the food co-op building that they are currently raising money to construct the infrastructure or the the way that it will be set up is one part um of, of it will be a community kitchen where folks will be able to come and make their foods and it is a licensed kitchen and so they'll be able to sell their products in various um stores and things um there will also be spaces for people to make and prepare foods for people who want to eat at restaurants and things like that. And then there'll be another part that's like a grocery store where folks will be able to come and buy fresh produce that was grown at the farm. I'm saying that to say that they still need to raise this $2 million. They have mm. um, sold basically as a co-op, they've sold ownerships like I own um, they're selling lifetime memberships. They're $250 each. I bought one. I own one. Um, That's so powerful. Once it's open, you know, um, you know, we'll be able to shop there, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, in between time, you know, they're still raising the $2 million just to build this project that's for the community. What's difficult is they're looking for monies from the community to get it built. It will be great if folks, celebrities like a D.L. Hughley could just go on ahead and give them 100000 here, 150000 there, 250000 there, right? A million here, a million there, right? This is ideal. And so when, you know, folks are talking about you know, get up out the hood, maybe what they're talking about is, oh, I couldn't even imagine having my nice, they're looking at it from a capitalist perspective. I couldn't imagine having my nice Lamborghini that I'm driving or my 25 cars that I've purchased and all this capitalist stuff that I have, my nice house, my pool, my jacuzzi, my driver, my clothes, my sneakers, my this, my gators, my fur coats, I couldn't imagine having all these nice things parading around these people who are in abject poverty as food because they'd be looking at me to prey on me or what I earned and worked for. That's not yeah. what I'm talking about. And that's what D.L. Hughley's talking about. And I will say to D.L. Hughley and any other black man that, you know, this is this. I know that this affected black men, and that's why I'm addressing it as a black as a black man solely at the moment. I understand where you are coming from when you see you look at history, and every time you look up, it's you know you guys who give your hearts, you give you give back to your community. You don't have a strong history of seeing it work work correctly. However, I will say this to you from our from our catalog of history, I will say to you that we have to learn to find a way to move in silence and to protect ourselves. And also invest 
in people who are investing in community. If Dio Hoogley and people who think like mm. you, if you've worked hard and you're afraid to be around people that look like you that are living in abject poverty because you're afraid that they're going to take what you've earned, but you still want to fight against racism, white supremacy, then go on ahead and invest in D-Town Farms, you know, Detroit Black Community Food Security Network. Right. Because they are, they are here in the community. They are from the community. And they are invested in community. You know, and don't just give to them during Christmas time. Go on ahead and help them buy that building. Go on ahead and help them sustain themselves throughout the year. Yep. So... I get it. You're afraid to live in a hood because you don't want people looking at you and knocking at your door and blow your brains out and take your car. I get it. So if that's your fear, then use your superpowers that you have to invest in the people who are out here in community and doing what needs to be done. Now, at the same time, the flip, you know, the other issue is don't think that you can be still a gangster and then like, okay, I'm going to be a gangster. I'm going to be around killers and I'm a, but I'm going to be like elevating myself or like elevate them. If folks have identified themselves as gangsters, as killers, as people who are threats to other humans, as people who prey on others, if that is who that person has identified themselves to be, that is where that person is going to put their energy and priorities. So it doesn't make sense to keep thinking like, you know what I'm saying? Don't put your pearls at the swine. Don't think that you're going to save people. Don't think you're going to save everybody. Don't think that you're going to elevate everybody the point is that you put the information out there you connect with others that are like-minded that that share that vision that want to move that vision forward Mm. there are people who will be jealous because they don't have an understanding as to how to do things differently or they're looking at at this person like, oh, look at them. They've become successful. You know, that should be me. That's going to be there. Those people got to get, you got to get those people out of your circumference. Those are the people who are going to harm you. Those are the people who are going to ruin everything. And that's really more what to me, a lesson is it's not don't mess with people in your community it's don't think that you're going to convert people who have no intention on being contributors of positivity to this earth you you understand what i'm saying i do people who have decided that that's not who they're going to be and no we can't save people you don't save people that's the thing that we have to realize. People either want to be on board for the elevation or they don't. Yeah. 
Um, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I mean, to be honest, like, um, I want to, I really want to talk to you about, since we're talking about community, um, it's just, it, it's, it's not coincidental to me that your whole travel experience was you finding way, you seeing ways of how to build community and in, in a nutshell, oh, pun, okay. pun intended. But I will say, um, I want to shout out to my homie Juan, who is a huge Nipsey fan. Uh, and as Nipsey would say, uh, the marathon continues. It doesn't stop. It does not stop. So I just hope that everything that he built is able to continue to move forward. Me too. I think it. I think from what I've seen, it's it's on a good it's on a good track. I think. Um, I think there's a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of people uh, who are going to be doing documentaries. And I think that it, it that is in, in one week, I've seen people that I've never would have thought talking about that they want to study and understand and learn things that I thought that I was trying to tell them the whole time. And people have to learn on their own pace. And it's just, I, it's unreal to me. So I think, I think from what I've been seeing and reading that, he had already made such a huge dent in teaching and explaining like like minded to people on how to make money and how to build that it's like a system that's gonna work itself. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm gonna have to do a few podcasts about you know my my recent travels. Um, well, first I went. You know, we talked about because I had gone to Atlanta for mm-hmm. the majority meeting. Yeah. So then coming off of that, um, moving into New Mexico for the Climate Justice Alliance member assembly, that was really powerful. Um, Got a chance to connect with the um, Black Caucus of that and the um, Afro International segment of that to see how we can connect our struggles, you know, in Haiti and Brazil and overseas and then just spent the last 10 days in brazil um traveling uh i stayed you know visiting with the quilombola community afro-indigenous community of brazil that can you break it down well they initially fought for their independence you know hundreds of years ago and they were one of the first um maroon communities to win their you know their struggle and they've been free ever since they live off of their land and they cultivate their land and they they own their land and they just live and I was like wow you know I went there I showed you some of the videos and things and um I have pictures and and on real pictures. videos to share, just beautiful, right? It was like it was like uh, one of those like visual things. I felt like I had put glasses on, and mm. I was just like walking around there. It's really cool how you uh, documented everything. It was. I mean, we visited various communities there. Can you tell people how like? Remember how I asked you like what it was like when you say different na- like communities like so various ethnic groups? Because Brazil has like I don't know. 200 and something ethnic groups and so they have way more variations on race than we do here in the states okay and they're very nuanced um 
And some of them are Quilombolas, which are an Afro-Indigenous people from Brazil. So can I say that in Lane's terms, these are people who travel from certain portions of Africa and made a way to that part of Brazil and they through were the slavery. first to acquire through slavery. Okay. So through slavery, they come from a certain part of Africa. But then there's also ones who had been just they've been there. Right? This is their land. This is where they're from. So they're indigenous yeah. completely. Yeah. So not even like, I mean, billions of years ago of Africans that maybe have come from Africa, then that they settled, they, they just as part of like, I'm talking about like stardust history where mm-hmm. they're just like, okay, we're going to travel the earth. Yeah. It's just then, like us, right? Yeah. Like some of us have been here and we're not enslaved. Some black folks, some black Americans were not enslaved. Right, some Black Americans are indigenous to the Americas, and yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's North America, yes, and South America. There's books about it. Yes, shouts out to Shake on to Diop. Shouts out. Um, they came before Columbus. Yes. is a book. There's many other books. Shouts out to Joseph uh, Ben, Doctor Joseph Ben. Mm-hmm. There's many scholars who have evidence of quote unquote pre-Columbian Black. Folks, right? So there's the transatlantic slave trade, you know, we know that many of us came through that, right? Yep. And we know that many of us did not. Yep. So, and like I said, in North America and South America. Both, yep. And and, in Central America and the Caribbean. So this is in South America, in Brazil. There's, like I said, 200 something. The way that Brazil breaks down their ethnicities and and racial breakdowns is way more nuanced than we do here in um, North America or in the United States per se. So I'll just say that I'm using the word Afro-Indigenous so that people understand these people are black and that they've been, this is their land. This is where they are from. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a connection. That's one, quote unquote, the peoples. There's other types of black indigenous peoples that that I visited that are not Quilombolas. Got you. Okay. Got you. And those are all the different ethnic groups that I was showing you. Different The different communities. Different communities. Different ethnic communities. How many communities? All black, you, though. How many different communities you think you? All black and indigenous. <laughs> Unreal. And some of them were Quilombolas, and some were did not call themselves Quilombolas. How many? How many you think it was? A six or seven, eight, ten? Um, that I visited. Yeah. Um, I only visited like five, but um, so yeah, I only visited actually five. That's huge. Actual communities, but um. They were spread out around the Northeast. Okay. And um, I went to the Amazon, deep in the Amazon. And that was so incredible. Um, Just seeing the trees and the nature and just the beach and the animals and, you know, and the people and the buildings and the architecture and the graffiti. What was, tell everybody your favorite part. Oh my God, everything. I mean, no. I can't even have a. What about the, the altars? What about the? What about the? Oh yeah! So every time 
that we gathered in any community, um, they begin with ritual, with building an altar, with singing songs and telling stories about how they got to that community, that land. Um, and they do that before they do anything. Before they do anything. Every single community does it. Wow. And it's called a mystica. And basically what it is, is um, where you sing songs, you tell a story, uh, you come together and you build an altar. And everybody brings something for the altar. And it's just, you know, you can do a prayer, you could do a spiritual gathering, like, but it's bringing your culture into it. And then it's like creating this altar to like cultivate more of what it is that you want to see. We should start doing that before every concert. Just have a hip hop altar. We need that. Oh my God. We need that. Not just concerts, but like anything. Business meetings, like yes. everything. We need to bring our culture into everything that we do. That's our power. And that's something that I'm, that I'm bringing back. Like, you know, here are people who are facing being murdered by their government for wanting to be free. Basically, these folks live off of a, what's called a babasu nut, which looks like a coconut. And it's got like nuts inside. They actually even call it cocoa. Mm. And it has like four nuts inside. And everything around their communities are built around this nut. So they they grow this nut. They the women, you know, cut the nut. They they build. They make baskets. They make clothing. They make jewelry. They make soaps, hair oil, food oil. They make various foods. I mean, they have whole industries. Everything is built around this nut. The various communities work in different ways. Where you've got what's called the MST. Okay. And you've. Um, you've got what's called like the CPT and these are, um, movement centers where they do trainings. They have training centers and they do political education in these training centers. Um, and they help folks be able to do what I would call like collective bargaining and be able to hold on to their sovereignty they're all in solidarity with one another. There's hundreds of them. And they all come together through these organizations to be able to meet together, to develop strategies together. Um, and it's just so incredible. I, I went on this learning journey. And personally, I'm just so full. But I have mm. so much knowledge that I want to share. I really want to create some sort of like event where I can share these pictures and these videos and these stories. You should do that to people because I mean, I just learned so much from them about black liberation and indigenous sovereignty. They are literally fighting to stay free. These are free communities. They've been living off the land, you know, all these years and now their government wants to move them from their land, make, um, agreements with the United States government to allow them to put the military there and shoot missiles off. And they want them to like go to, to work on government plantations and live in like government created housing. And I'm like, wow, this is nuts. Um, you know, they're persecuted for practicing their culture. So these are people who, 
by merely practicing their culture and by living free are like resisting. You know what I'm saying? And you you, you documented so many women. Was that like it, it's just that's the way their their communities are set up where the women like lead everything. They are so strong. Oh my gosh, the women are so strong. And the men support the women. Now they did, you know, tell me that they have some of their struggles, but they've been constantly learning how to support the women. Wow. So um the women lead a lot of stuff there. And yeah, it's just been, it's just been incredible. It's like, <sighs> I did, you know, visit the, the one thing that freaked me out completely was visiting that one slave town that was still set up from like the 1700s. Now, mind you, where we stayed at the hotel too was a little creepy to me because all those buildings and things are like from the 1700s, you know? Yeah. And they got like the energy of that and you see you can see like the iron slave chains still in some places on the wall like it's a little creepy and then the slave town freaked me out because it was like right off the beach and then as soon as you come up it's like you go into this like church and then there's like a whipping pole and then right across is the like slave prison and you can just feel all of that energy there. It was so strong and so scary and creepy. It was like, uh, it was like my DNA was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no. I know. And I did the best I could. I said, oh my God, even though I'm afraid I need to document this. So I documented it just because it was so much. I thought people you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To should see it, but it was like really. Ugh. You could feel it. You could feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but then you know, all around it was vibrant community. Oh, it was so beautiful. And you know, graffiti, and even like where we stayed. Yeah. Um, it was just amazing. We stayed in Northeast, and that's where a lot of you know black folks are. In the Northeast, in general. The shades literally made me so happy. Like, like all those black people, right? Oh, my God. Like, it was like the, like, it was like a catalog of different, like, brown shades. Yeah. It yeah. Unreal. Like, I mean, and like, literally. When you said you went to the five communities. Yeah. Like, even when you were, like, within one community, it still was, like, yeah. shades and shades and shades yeah. and shades. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. Like, it was just... It was so rich and so beautiful. The food was incredible. All the food was grown right there. We went in back in back in people's backyards and we could just see the way they had their backyards set up. Their engineering is just so genius of the way they set up their farms. They make all their tools. They 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 make everything from this babasuna. They like live off this babasuna. They create products. They export it. They live off of it. They make charcoal. Everything. They make their own charcoal. They um they make their own like clay ovens. Everyone's got like an outdoor oven and like an indoor oven. <laughs> they grow their own fruits and vegetables and herbs and everything. And all the food was like fresh. They make their own rice. Juice. Their own pasta. Did you, did you say juices? Their own juices from all the fruits that like you know grow there. Every morning is is fresh 
um, fruit juice. In oh. every single community, every morning is fresh fruit juice. We, I actually stay with one of the families, you know, in their home. Um, and yeah, it was just so powerful, you know, and they sleep in hammocks. So sometimes people carry their own hammocks and they're like, you know, very eco conscious, but I don't think it's to be like a hipster, you know? No, not at all. But you know, what's funny. It's like, I've been learning more about the body when it comes to like, shout out to my boyfriend. I'm not going to just take his knowledge, but, um, sleeping on different surfaces that, you know, like really us sleeping in beds is more harmful to us than a hammock or grounding our bodies. So I, it's just so funny to me that like the way that we view things, like even from technology, like I think we've talked about it before, like a tracks and VCRs, like we have this like thing that once things, there's a, there's something newer that we should get rid of the old, like, we don't value the 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 old school way of doing things as much as we should. Well, also too, not just that, but in addition to that, they have a usefulness for everything. Yes. yes so yes, they have yes. they've created usefulness for every single thing. They they keep their compost, you know. Um they have chickens and you know, um cows and uh all types of vegetables and fruits and they do their own fishing. They, I saw on the beach, mm-hmm. there's a business where this guy, well, these guys, they sell roasted cheese, right? And what they do is they take a paint can mm-hmm. and they cut out in the bottom, just like you would for an oven or like a fireplace, if you will. You cut that out, then you put charcoal in there, and then they cut off the top of the paint can and put like a grate there. Yeah. And then they light it, and then they walk around, and they create like this handle, this rope handle for it, and they walk around like roasting cheese on this paint can. That is so incredible. I was like, that's some genius. Okay, everywhere we went, they have like on a bicycle, a guy with a freaking like um barbecue pit on the bicycle riding around selling roasted corn they had a cart with people roasting corn they had a cart with people roasting shrimp a you know a cart with people roasting it, the the nuts like everything i mean in the US everything we have here is overregulated you know you have to have a license a permit or whatever to do everything. Everything is capitalism, capitalism, capitalism. And they keep the poor folks from being able to hustle. In New York, you still have street vendors. Yeah. In Detroit, the street vending operations have been taken over by corporations. And so it's, they've made it illegal for you to just start selling food. Um, Shout out to me. So you have to go get a permit, a license. You have to go do these processes, right? They make it expensive. They make it difficult for you to get these processes, right? Yeah, they do. And then, you know, um, now that 
you know, corporate entities have taken over the street vending situation, you know, they even control where you can sell the food. It, let's, let's say you got everything you needed and you could get you, you know, a food truck. They would control where you could even bring your food truck to, you know, and they make it almost impossible for you to even have a food truck. And so when I was in Brazil, what I really appreciated was there are people everywhere selling every single thing. And it seems as though they don't need to have permits to do these things. And I think, honestly, if our street vending culture could be supported and cultivated here, we would have a lot less people in extreme poverty. Yeah. Shouts out to LA. Like I noticed, I don't know much about their rules and regulations, but it, when I think about the comparison that you're making, like I think about the the up and coming. Uh, it's already, I mean, it, it's been existing the the black taco movement, like where like people are like on their lawns with like griddles and they're making tacos, and they don't have to have. I don't know if the like. I'm sure it's not like in Brazil where the licensing is just like different, but I'm sure it's not as like it's like not as uh, rigid. rigid as it is here Detroit. because we've turned over. Detroit makes it impossible. Like it, because we turned, we turned over. I mean, I don't want to. No, we didn't turn this. it over. It was taken. Like the beat. You know, don't make it seem like people were like, you know, passive in this situation. There's plenty of people who've been fighting systematically to have you know street vending here, and it's 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 been taken over. Well, what's been, it's been hijacked. What I meant is is that. The city, the during their air quotes of bankruptcy, allow corporations air quotes bedrock to make decisions for a lot of the decisions that go on for the city, and it's systematic. So it only makes sense that that whole area downtown that could be used for street vendors that look similar to like a New York City, you can't do it. They bring in their own preferred vendors that usually come from like the suburbs Utica or Commerce or Orchard Lake and it's and interesting them to come down there and do food vending I remember I went up to one of the food trucks once and he and uh, he is uh, it, it said New Delhi so I'm thinking I'm thinking oh I'm about to get me some Indian food man this white dude with blonde hair and blue eyes poked his head out of the uh, thing I said, where's the Indian? And he was like, his partner was like, he studied in India for eight months. He studied in New Delhi for eight months about Indian cuisine. I'm like, damn, then you could just come to Detroit, get you an Indian food truck. Meanwhile, a real Indian dude can't get a food truck because he going to get met with ice. Ice gonna be there looking to like kick his ass out the country if he go apply for to try to be a food truck. I'm not gonna go into it, but shouts out to Kyle Corbett as uh, one of the white dudes in the NBA that wrote this open letter about white privilege and how it took like five of his teammates to go through something dealing with racial profiling for him to understand the levels of white privilege that he had mm. by just existing. By just existing. By just existing. 
Yeah, man. I mean, and this conversation will have to just continue because I don't want folks to have to suffer through a four hour podcast. (laughs) But yeah, we can probably wrap up like here and then continue because I miss you, Road Dog. I missed you. I missed everyone. I missed my mom. I missed George P. Piper. Everybody over at Submerge. I miss Kari, my Detroit. Um, it's different family. I miss the Freedom School family. Um, Brother Charles uh, Farrell over at the Charles H. Wright Museum. I miss Nina Payne. Nina. My partner with We Found Hip Hop and Foundation Management. I miss Stephanie Hammond, my attorney. Um, I missed LaShonda Cooley. You know, my accountant. I mean, so many people. Oh, Esther. That's my cousin's friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Esther is cool. She's one of my new friends. She was my cousin's friend and my cousin passed. And she says she's going to be my friend now. Oh, so we've been talking. Esther. So shout out to name. Esther. And Esther's helping me with the... Um, like get get my marketing materials and things together. She said I need to upgrade. Shout out so to I said, shout out. Shout out to Andrew. Andrew was on our um Andrew Lamar. He was on our show. And I saw him and he uh he came up during the show to uh we found hip hop show and started freestyle and I said Yes. Okay. Yes, he did. No misogyny. Shout out to Andrew. Shout out our um advertising don't Donor advertising friend. Um, shout out to Knox too. I know. Shout you, out to Sacramento Knox did, and Christy. Did you think about them while you were there with all that indigenous? Yes. Thing you were doing? Yes. Yes. That, yes. Hearing that, I'm like, they would probably love to see that. Love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love definitely. Shout out to Baba Malik. You Bye Malik. And all my D Town Farm, mm-hmm. Detroit Black Community Food Security Network family definitely talked about. I talked about everyone to the Brazilians and to the delegation and the whole delegation now is like, I got to come to Detroit. I got to come to Detroit and see, oh, and shouts out to EMIAC, East Michigan Environmental Action Council. Shout out. And Baba Daryl and Dorothea. Hi, Dorothea. You know, um, thanks for recommending me. Thanks for sending me. Shouts out to Anna Orzo, who is from World March of Women, United States chapter, because we have a strong World March of Women chapter in Brazil. And um, Anna sent me all the gifts. <laughs> so every community that I went to, I gave gifts, you know, from World March of Women. They loved it. Nice. And um, who else? And shouts out to Grassroots Global Justice. Mm-hmm. Um and Climate Justice Alliance and everybody from all those families who sent me love and well wishes and prayers and pray for our safety. Um and just you know, my entire social justice, environmental justice, and arts and culture community. Um and once again I want I gotta give another little extra special shout out to George, a.k.a. P. Groove, <laughs> who held me down the entire time. And including when I come back, I love you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Aww. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so you know what I do 
need to do is really take those pictures, those videos, those stories and share them to as many people as possible because they said that that's what uh, help would look like to them is us amplifying their stories and their struggle. So I was like, I can definitely do that. That, that yeah. yeah. And then um, Grassroots International, which is the organization I went with, asked me to be a part of them. So I definitely that's huge. Want to do that? That is that is so huge. Yeah. What part of their they have what's called a donor activist, um, and so they want me to be part of that that donor activist. So yeah, it would be real cool to see you. Uh, put something together and show it to kids that live in certain communities here and, and break it down to to them and show them the similarities. Yeah. Okay. Let's organize that. That'd be cool. Yeah. We got some youth that we can do that with. Right. Um, yeah. So we'll let folks go. All right. um, we'll, we'll hit them up on the next show. We got some stuff coming for y'all too. We'll talk about it more next week. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I told folks about the podcast there, so hopefully... Yeah, they'll be tuning in. Yeah, we'll have some tuning in. And, yeah, keep listening, keep supporting. Um, Brittany is going to have her pizzeria or her pizza business launch this summer. Something like that. It's the stage of it. And then we'll have the Detroit is Different, um, like... What is it? A festival? It's a festival. It's a festival. That's gonna be what October? October twenty fourth through the twenty seventh or twenty eighth. It's a Thursday through Sunday ordeal. Yeah, so we gotta work on that. Yeah, we do. And oh in April, I almost forgot. We're gonna do I didn't even get to let you know. With Hip Hop Caucus, we are going to organize um for Earth Month. April 19th. Let's do it. We're going to show a film called From Paris to Pittsburgh. That's dope. It's talking about climate change. Mm. And we want all you guys to come. It's going to be free, open to the public, April 19th, 6 to 9 at the Cass Corridor Commons, which is literally on the corner of Cass and Forest, um, 4605 Cass Avenue. Um, I got to start promoting that so we'll start promoting that cool um and then we'll have the women in hip-hop retreat that's going to come up um the the in in september so um you got to start promoting that because we need people to start paying their 250 bucks because we're going to be in idlewild michigan historic idlewild michigan i'm excited for that right on the lake doing some healing and retreating with one another so we got lots of cool stuff coming up. I think we do. I'm so excited. Oh, and I got to let people know that we want to do a fundraiser. I think we should. Like later in the winter for Women in Hip Hop. Oh, and also the magazine's launching in September. Are we going to do something? We're going to have to organize something for that. So Esther's going to help me with that. Right. I think you'll help me too. Um, and then I made some great connections in Brazil. They were all about it. And I was like, shoot, this magazine might have to be multilingual. If it's going to be an international multilingual online magazine, all you got to do is click translate this, right? And people can read the article. So I think I'm going to start promoting it as a, you know, magazine that people could look at in any language. Yep. Um, 
but got some folks who want their products to be featured and want to send some stories and yeah so this is gonna be shaping up so there we go so i think that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. um i had fun did you have fun today of course i always have fun i'm just on my heart can we let's send some love to uh, lauren london yes lauren and never met you but i love you girl and nipsey's children his his family you know just everyone who loves him and who's missing him right now yeah. and shout out to LA keep your head up over there yeah shout out to Los Angeles and you know what I want to bring back from Brazil into our communities is uplifting this culture and visiting communities that are in abject poverty but also completely happy because they're living in complete freedom and people who you know with just so much love and so much intentionality you know behind everything and you know just able to create such beauty you know people who are literally struggling and just so much vibrance and so much beauty like I want to bring that to back to our community because I feel like our community is there but I feel like we can like up it i feel like we could turn it up you know what i'm saying even more with the culture even more with the vibrancy even more with the celebration even more with the singing the songs the storytelling the dance the Mm -hmm. flavors you know what i'm saying like every we i just want to see that deep level that i saw there i want us to have that here so i want to bring that back and I'm going to be continuing to share that mm-hmm. everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Because um, I definitely share deeply about Detroit there. Mm. So everyone there is like probably over Detroited. <laughs> the most they ever had. We love that in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's what's up. So just wanted to get that. So, yeah. So you've been listening to the Piper Carter podcast um got any last words Brittany I just want to you know just send my again my additional love to uh Nipsey Hussle and his family mm. and um just want to shout out to some of my friends that uh that are that are following his footsteps my homeboy Dwight my homeboy Juan shout out to Dontrell so shout out to you know my lovely black men yeah shout out to black men I know y'all got a rough. Yeah. Shout, we got to shout y'all out. Yep. Send y'all a whole bunch of love, intentionality, yeah. vibrancy. Um, yeah, we're going to work this out, community. We're going to yeah. have so much love in our community. We're going to work this out. Well, my last words are just thank you. Thanks, Brittany, for all of your encouragement and support, you know, that you constantly give me all the time. If it wasn't for you, um this podcast wouldn't be what it is and I wouldn't you know be able to do the things that I'm able to do you know what I'm saying like with this podcast you bring such you know so much knowledge and wisdom in your young age you bring so many great ideas and so much passion and Mm -hmm. you know your resources and you know you support me you support 
you know, this mission, this movement, and I just got to send you lots of love and appreciation. Really, really appreciate you a whole lot. Think you're just super awesome and super genius. So I'm just really honored and grateful for you. So thank you, Piper. Yeah, thanks for that. So much love for you, girl. (laughs) Oh, so much. You bridge the gap, even when you don't try to. Oh, you me data, me data. So, all right. Well, you guys keep listening to the Piper Carter podcast. We're going to have so much great stuff coming up for you. Um, really appreciate your listenership. And we're going to see who's out there when you guys come to the festival mm-hmm. in October. So we want to get that going. So, yeah, just keep listening. Also, make sure you tune in on, um, you can, is it Detroit is different dot. What is the new website? Let's go with .net. Yes. It's Detroit is different.net. And so now when you go on there, you'll be able to listen to the each podcast. You'll be able to go and see every single podcast that's on there. So that's a new website. And, you know, continue listening. We're on all the places that you can listen to a podcast. You know, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and many more. And so, yeah, go to um, DetroitIsDifferent.net. So that's the new website. You can actually listen directly on the website. And we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook. And you can also check me out, Piper Carter, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, you know, I'll say what's up back to you. And, you know, uh, we'll just continue send the rest of the Detroit community and our community at large lots of love, lots of encouragement, lots of support. People say crazy stuff about our city, but we know our city. We know the beauty of our people. We know what's really going on, you know, beneath the surface, though. Detroit is different. And just keep listening. Peace. Peace. enough play from the way they run their businesses. And this ain't even interference. The shipping out their hands will catch me asking for no clearance. Looking for an exit, I suggest you take the nearest. Your ethic moving slower than the progress from your fears, man. Don't do it to them, do so they don't understand. They're lazy on their research, they content with limiting. Their family broke their life, a joke, they'll just inherit it. If you don't gain control on what you so then what is things will stitch Your thread will become lip and saturated with them tears The needle hole will close and a dead end will now appear You'll claim you better than a low-key hate on all your friends That sh- will grow and grow and grow until you make amends within A love yours and keep a look out like at the cookout When your Tupperware ain't there and no more mac and cheese is put out My appetite for this is on, I always know that sh- I wrote before was still dessert, yeah, it's a timeless folk I rhymes like, oh, the way I switch is like Russian twist, the pressure switch, swiveling and dip Flip else to wins, change dimes to gems Noticing a difference, it's all the beginning I'm swimming sugar with no cane, but I'm up pimp, pimp The way I'm landing, cause my sh- Going off the wall I shoot for threes like I've been play ball Remember them days, no food, no car Used to dodge my cars, now you my JR Now they watching how I do, 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 do. Every shot I shoot is executed You can't recruit You were raised to be domesticated I can't be cool It's ironic cause the way them chickens pecking You would think I group them Lure them until they fall in between Them tall tales I could spell Clean up the scene I'm not phony, I'm not still the look just mean You gotta get it while it's hot motherfucker. I'm scolding. Stop, I'm sicker than your average. I feel bars like glasses and lust. Drown your ad libs and such. If I'm packed and then duck, you never had this. You mutt. Mixing your needs with greed remaining has been as f- you 
shooting shots out of luck, I'm spraying sand And no guts bubbling your whole track You gas and hiccup, hold, hold your, your breath, breath. <gasps> And you still won't catch up, I'm too saucy They got it backwards trying to crisscross me Salty, once I put that pep in my step Use a shoop shoop a doof who can't balance a check Book for 2019, speak it into assets for my team I'm defense, brought the heat full core press, I digress If you don't see it now, you're blind Too much shine, Medusa them bird box your life I'm aligned like them vertebrae down your spine And keep a balance from a Libra who was by my side See I spy with my third eye Something different homie These new dimensions I stepped in They'll never show me I lead with no sight I'm off fight Can't KO me or D Like Jermaine for your eyes only Remember to like, share, subscribe And always listen on Stitcher Google Play, Apple Store And Spotify You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.